When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Points, man. You gave us a chance at the end, but I got three words for you. You like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was actually the vibe inside the Vikings locker room before that third preseason game against the Chiefs. Uh, that was the that was the vibe heading into the first quarter, and then things kind of derailed from there. This is Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd here. Uh, about to recap the Vikings' third preseason game. And Purple Daily is presented by Surly Brewing Company. And we like to watch our football on TCL TVs here on Purple Daily. Uh, TCL is one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. New lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. So, all right. <laughs> Vikings finish 0-3 in the preseason, Judd Zolgad. Uh-huh. Um, we know that a bunch of starters like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, it's it's tough for me to evaluate the offense without your three best skill position players and three of the best skill position players in the NFL sure. active. Um, but Mike Zimmer was not happy, not only after this game, but just after the three preseason games in general. With depth, he's not happy with certain things, and so... Let's uh, let's dive into Mike Zimmer's angst, the things that he is fretting about after that third preseason game. What stood out the most to you? Boy, I think as a whole, the totality of uh, what you brought up with what Mike was talking about and the lack of depth and just how much work needs to be done now over the next three days uh, with roster cuts from 80 to 53 coming up on Tuesday, Phil, um, when it comes to decisions on what positions they're going to explore the waiver wire at what positions they're possibly going to start uh today making some phone calls about for potential trades because they don't basically want to allow the the wire to dictate who they can pick up but yeah i think if the i think there's definitely some storylines from the preseason that don't necessarily need to be freaking out but i think they're very nice cautionary tales and depth is one like this team. There are positions at which there are real concerns because if starters get hurt, the, the Vikings right now are flat out in trouble. Linebacker is one for sure. Um, if Anthony Barr can't go, I don't know that they have a suitable replacement in the base defense to start right now. Uh, safety and and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Xavier Woods did play last night. He did start last night, but. Obviously, Harrison Smith did not play, and the backup safeties were in a bunch again, and I don't think they're prepared to play. Uh, so 
without going overboard and actually saying, oh, and three, what a disaster, and just saying, okay, what was learned? Uh, I think we got a very a very good idea about the potential lack of depth at some key places where the Vikings now can, if they do the right things in the next couple of days, they can at least work to rectify it. Yeah, I mean, and Zimmer's been sounding this alarm basically since the second week of training camp, just saying we don't have linebackers. Um, I think he's disappointed in some of the cornerback depth too now that Mike Hughes is gone. Jeff Gladney got booted off the team, and Cam Dantzler has just not been the same player, at least in the training camp and preseason portion that we saw at the end of last year. So, I mean, he flat out said, "If we, if 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 there's certain key guys that are starters that get hurt, we're pretty much screwed." <laughs> that's that's yep. what Mike Zimmer said last night, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, you know, I think we're we're gauging we're, we're we're the feeling we have after these three preseason games is based on backups. If the starters do stay healthy, I'm still bullish on this team being really competitive and being a playoff team if their starters are healthy. Um, but that's going to be a huge if. And the offensive line is already, I mean, you're already starting a backup left tackle, it looks like, in week one against the Bengals, unless Christian Derisaw has a miracle comeback. Can I throw out one other thing? I am not play calling. I'm not like the guy that rips play calling on this show. And this is preseason play calling we're talking about. Yes, but it uh, there was a couple things in that game that drove me nuts in the first quarter with the first team offense, and again I will preface this also by saying when you're throwing to Chad Beebe instead of Justin Jefferson, it makes a huge difference. I'm sure of what you're going to do offensively, right? But I hate running the ball on second and nineteen, second and eighteen, which the Vikings did last night with their first teamers. And I also don't like running the ball on, like, first and goal from the nine, the eight. The Vikings do that all the time. All right, we're going to chunk three yards, mm-hmm. which is sort of meaningless in the red zone when everything's packed in. Like, it just it eliminates one of three shots into the end zone. And if you look the last couple of years, play calling-wise, statistically, the Vikings are one of the most conservative teams on second and long and also second and short. And they're also conservative on first and goal from between, like, the 10 and the five yard line. They love to run the ball in those situations. Right. I just don't see what the gain is. Like the, the Chiefs declined a holding penalty after your second and long run because they're like, I mean, if you guys just want to run for four yards, we'll take the third and we'll take the third and fifteen. Right. right. So right. so that that philosophy was was popping up in the preseason game last night, and I just don't I'm I'm not here for it. So I think that there's certain things that um that it's fair to say you really can't judge yet because certain guys didn't play or or you didn't give actual looks and went vanilla as possible. I think the play calling one to me is really interesting. And I got to admit, among the chief concerns, not just from the games, but also from things that the, again, coach has said post game. you know, Clint Kubiak's, I believe, 34. He's never done this job. This is a... so. I'm more willing to criticize play calling than you are, but what I will fully acknowledge is it's a really tough job. Like you have to have your bleep together. Like you just can't stumble in and I'm going to start calling plays because I was a quarterback's coach. This is going to be fun. Um, I think it's one of the most difficult jobs as far as next to head coach, as far as the administrative processing, uh, your mental bandwidth, what you can do, what you can't do. And I, I always go back, Phil, to, 2017, when among Vikings offensive coordinators I've watched in the last 20 years, I thought 
that Pat Shermer made that job look as easy as possible down to the point where, where as a fan or in our job, you watch the game and thought, Oh, that's where that's really, Oh yeah. Obvious play call right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything really worked. And that's a credit to him. That's not luck. Like you don't luck into, well, I just, I got lucky that year in play calling. So my point off that though, is that season to me showed, Oh yeah, that's pretty simple. What I've seen from Clint, and I know it's preseason, but that's a but but he's practicing like like he's working here to be good. He's not trying to oh I who cares if this play doesn't work. Um, Clint Kubiak in calling plays is the real life example of how tough this job is. And I'm going to give you something I tweeted last night and immediately, of course, got crap for, but that's fine. We'll see. Zimmer alluded to at halftime. Kubiak was downstairs against the Colts calling plays from the sideline, which I think Daryl Bevel did, but it's a pretty tough thing to do. Last night, he went upstairs to try that. Um, And, you know, people's point is, well, he's just trying different things. I'm going to tell you right now, this is late in the ballgame to be trying things. It is. Like, Phil, you know as well as I do, and this is not just football, but coaches who have their stuff together and like got the job back in, in January, like have a full plan. I'm going to be upstairs or downstairs or in baseball. Here's what my pitchers are going to, to do. Uh, you don't just come into camp and like, yeah, we're going to try a couple things here and I'll be upstairs today and downstairs tomorrow. So I'm hesitant to just dismiss that. Like this is you start the regular season on September 12th and like you're still toying with where you're going to be. And my guess is somebody wanted him downstairs, maybe Kirk, because he was his quarterback's coach. And then it sounds like Mike's like, no, go upstairs so guys aren't trying to influence you to get them the football. And to so, get a better view of the field, I would yeah, think. Absolutely. But but my point is I think that there is genuine concern until it's proven uh that it shouldn't be there for a guy who's never called plays and in a lot of the play calling in the preseason, I'm going to fully admit I didn't quite understand. Yeah. And then you're trying to balance too in the preseason, much like in exhibition baseball season, sometimes teams and guys are working on things like you might go into a preseason game and you want to get a certain number of, you want to run this play four times in a game to see if it works or if, you know, something you've been working on. Sure. And so we we never fully know if they're trying to call plays to optimize their chance to win or if they're calling plays 70% to win but 30% because they want to see what their run blocking scheme looks like after a week of practice against right. a real opponent. So know? here so here's where I'm going to say that I think last night was an example of, of something that I would uh take more concern from on the side of it didn't make sense. They very clearly wanted to play Cousins and the first team line and and, and offensive guys like Irv Smith uh, that they felt comfortable playing to get a rhythm going because in the first or I'm sorry, in the second game against the Colts, it was three series and no points. And they did a really nice job of getting to the nine yard line. Like they did a very, they did a very nice job. And Irv Smith had that night. I'm trying to envision like Kyle Rudolph catching a couple of those same passes and there would have been like a half yard of yak. And Irv Smith runs down the sideline, right? But there's no way that you would then get to the nine and start just trying things that you didn't care about. Like, the whole thing was to punch the ball in the end zone to score a touchdown and be like, okay, first-team offense scored. We all feel pretty good about it. So that's where I was – that's where, to your point about what they did or didn't do, I think it is a red flag because that wouldn't be the time to just experiment with, oh, who cares? Like, they very – 
Mike Zimmer played Cousins to try and establish some confidence. Yeah. So stalling out doesn't do that. Like, and and you would care about that. Yeah. I'll tell you what my my biggest macro takeaway I think was from last night's game and the preseason in general. But a quick shout out to these new Vikings scratch off tickets from the Minnesota State Lottery. So uh, the five dollar game wins you up to a hundred thousand dollars. I didn't win and, yesterday, by the way. Oh, so you did check it out. You didn't. I gave him to Dawn to check out. I told you. Okay. She was excited, and we didn't win one hundred. I was kind of worried that you, which were is why I'm out. here this morning. <laughs> just hundred thousand dollars, just quit your job. No, I wouldn't quit the job, but I definitely would have taken. I would, <laughs> would have taken the morning off. Um, there's also a two dollar game that wins you up to fifteen thousand dollars, and you get great second chance prize opportunities like Vikings tickets and merchandise. So say I'm in to the Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery. Must be eighteen or older to play. Uh, did you cheers a surly after after watching after the preseason wrapped up last oh. night? Did you did you pour one all over oh, your my head? Good, my good man. I uh, I did not wait until after that game to, to cheers one. In fact, I cheersed one at halftime on an Instagram live. I went to the refrigerator and I said to myself, after watching that first half of football, what's going to make it better? One, a fan base with questions on Instagram live, and two. Ah, a surly furious, because my guess is the head coach was furious and I was happy. And that was the absolute key. But yes, surly is is the the beer that is Minnesota's favorite IPA. You do all of this settling in life, right? We settle for field goal attempts instead of touchdowns. Mm. We settle for the fact that Chad Beebe is going to make the roster and possibly catch footballs or not. Mm. But when you crack open a Surly Furious, you enjoy the IPA that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. So don't settle. Get Surly. You and like at least that? You like that? In that sense, Surly can make your life better. Yeah, Chad Beebe uh, not getting the most separation in a couple of those routes last night. So my biggest macro takeaway. Yes. Uh, my micro is stop running the ball on second and 18, please. Um, and my my macro is the Chiefs just look like they are ready to go full speed Chiefs in week one. Mm-hmm. Like here we are, everything's great. We're mm-hmm. we have a terrible taste in our mouths from what happened to us in the Super Bowl last year. Offensive we fixed our offensive line exactly, and we are just like we're just dropping dimes into Tyree Kill. Like we're just that looked like the Chiefs in the first half last night. Yeah, it didn't look like what we think the Vikings are going to be. In large part because their skill position. I think we're, what we're sort of hoping for here, I guess, is that when you drop Dalvin, Jefferson, and Thielen back yes. into this mix, that a lot of things start to fix themselves. When Kirk drops back, that there's just an open receiver getting separation off the line of scrimmage instead of having to play some patty cake because, you know, your backup receivers can't get open. Um, Alex Madison is a good running back. He's not going to break a run like Dalvin Cook will. So I get I get why the Vikings don't look like full Vikings because they aren't full Vikings. They aren't playing all of their best players in these preseason games. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Chiefs just looked ready to rock. I have no doubt that they're gonna. They're, I think they play the Browns in Week One. The Vikings look like they have a lot of things to sort out health wise yep. and depth wise and roster wise in the next two weeks before their first game against the Bengals. So beyond the general discussion of depth, let's get to what we saw um, in the three preseason games and for me in practice as far as as actual things because the one thing i think this can be parsed apart very simply with, without going into full panic mode and it's parsed apart th- this way the final scores don't matter uh the losses if the vikings get off to a 
if the Vikings win in against the Bengals, you know what? We're not going to say, wow, but they look bad in the preseason. Mm-hmm. But I think what we can do is parse apart what is a, a genuine concern going into the season right now. And again, can't there's time to rectify it. I'm not saying fix it perfectly. Uh, depth is definitely one. Um, I think we saw again, and I don't know if the Vikings were just trying to like say, okay, one final time, Jake Browning can't play. Uh, and Kellen Mond, who I thought during the course of the preseason for what he was asked to do, showed gradual improvement. Um, but I still don't think he can be your backup. I think more than ever now, it's been driven home that probably before Tuesday in some type of trade, if you're the Vikings, you need to get a backup to Kirk in part because he's not vaxxed and passing no judgment even on that. This league is very actively trying to get guys into quarantine who aren't vaxxed. Yeah. So that that to me is like that's something that we can actually talk about and say, okay, let's just say Kirk has to miss a game or two. You don't want to forfeit that game. If you play Jake Browning, I don't think you can ask anybody else to be like, okay, you get hey defense, just shut him out. And we'll I've seen goal. I've seen enough of Jake. Like it's been a it's been a fun story, right? Hey, practice squad guy. You know, this big time college starter for four years and he carried the Vikings in that night practice when all of his teammates were unable to like he threw a hundred passes in a night practice, right? Um, and that was great. And I have no doubt that his teammates love him and that he does bring some leadership qualities, but he looked awful in three preseason games. And that was his dress rehearsal to potentially hold a clipboard behind Kirk Cousins. I think if he had had three really good preseason games or even just like didn't if he didn't look like a disaster in three preseason games, skittish, Zimmer used the word skittish after the second game describing all of his quarterbacks, but I think specifically Jake Browning. Yep. Um, I'm with you on this, I think. And and by the way, I, I'm still, I, I'm really intrigued by Kellen Mond long term, yeah. but I, I will say the same thing I said the day that he was drafted by the Vikings. He doesn't need to be on a football field in 2021. I don't I don't think he's the type of guy like a first round pick where you're just kind of waiting for Andy Dalton to have a bad game and then right? Like that's not work. I mean, Kirk is the starter for the full season at minimum. He's under contract next year. Um if Mond, so there's there's no expectation for Mond to be challenging like Justin Fields for a starting job. Nope. And so if that's not the case, I don't think there should be any rush to put him in as the first line of defense if Kirk goes down with an injury or COVID or something. Yep. So I'm with you on this, and I, they're just, I mean, Drew Locke. We talked about him on yesterday's episode. Uh, what would it take to get him? I think the Broncos, because Teddy's not exactly chiseled in stone for, for 17 games. I think the Broncos are going to want something of substance and a trade for him. Plus, I think he only has one year left of his rookie contract, so you'd have to make a decision on paying him more money after next year. But I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm hunting for a more established backup quarterback option. But I'm also not giving up a second round pick for that. You know, I agree with that. You yeah, be, that's where they're kind of just in a weird spot with this. Yes, depend, depending. Yeah, I, and I think so. So dismissing Locke is a mistake because George Payton and Spielman, I guarantee you, talk all all the time. It's no accident that they decided to have the practices against each other before their mm-hmm. preseason game here. I mean, which gives you, as the opposing GM, ample opportunity to scout every single one of their players. So dismissing Locke and saying there's no chance is not correct, much to the dismay of some. Uh, but I don't think he's probably going to, to be the guy based on what you just said, which is the compensation factor. Uh, but yeah, you can't have a team 
no matter what the what the exhibition record is, you can't have a team with the expectations that the Vikings do. And then, like, if Kirk has to go into quarantine, or worse, he gets COVID and he's lost for a couple of games, say, we'll just lose those two, two games. That There are some years where, where that luxury probably exists, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll play Mond. But I saw enough development from Mond that I have no interest in doing anything that's going to set him back long term. Yeah, Uh, because I really did like I mean, he is an incredibly raw product. I think he's got abilities. I know he's got athletic ability. Um, And but I saw gradual improvement in his like decisions. And I think he is a sponge and I think he's a smart enough guy. But I just want to take this very slow. Uh, and, And if at any point in time. During the course of 2021, there's uh well, Justin Fields is playing for the Bears, and what's up with Mond? That's a you problem. That's not a Vikings problem. Yeah, yep. Um, all right. Other things that what? So those are all the things that we learned that we're just sort of raising an eyebrow at. Mike Zimmer is more than raising an eyebrow at some of these things. Yep. Did you learn anything over these three preseason games that made you feel? Uh, better about the team or that they solidified something? I mean, Greg Joseph, I guess, wasn't terrible, but he also missed a couple, you know, a 51 and a 52-yarder this preseason. Yeah, and then that... don't, for- don't forget, in the scrimmage, they played they played a half of a, uh, of a scrimmage last Tuesday at TCO, and he missed from 55 and 59 there. So, so it's very... So 50-plus is going to be tough for Greg Joseph. Yeah, you know what the rule of thumb... Here. You know what the the rule of thumb in today's league would probably be go for it. I agree. Like if you keep Greg Jones, totally agree. If he's your guy, you probably need to say, okay, you know what? From, you know, pick your spot from 45. He's good. Like we, like he can kick field goals from 45, but if it's fourth down and four and we are uh, a 53 yard field goal away, um, I think the new world, and I don't think it's yeah. wrong. I think the new world says, you need to go for it. So this could actually be a blessing in disguise for the Vikings. They should be looking to be more aggressive in a lot of different ways offensively, and that's one of them. So maybe Greg Joseph was brought Mike here. Do that? Like, like I do think yeah, it's a I, smart move. I think he's. I mean, I, I'd have to look at the stats, but I feel like Mike has been a lot more aggressive yeah, going forward right. on fourth down. Yeah, I mean, look right. at that. Wasn't that? I mean, when they when they lost that game to the Seahawks last year, they could have kicked a field goal to go up eight inside the five yard line. Instead, they run the ball with Madison, get stuffed. Yeah, I mean that's a situation point. where I think Mike Zimmer kicks a field goal the first couple of years of his coaching career, and he's just they do have an analytics team that's feeding this information. Mike Zimmer doesn't always, I think, retain and go with the analytical information, but that's one right. thing I think that has stuck in his head. But you know, in fairness to Joseph, now you know that if you're like, okay, Greg, it's a 54 yard field goal, go out there and kick, and and it goes wide right. That's your fault. Like you, you saw this. Yeah. So I either you need to go get, and I I'm not advocating for a change of kicker. But if you're like, we need a guy that can bomb it. Well, then he's not your guy. No, you need and a coach that can go for it. To. That's what you need. Just go for it. Yeah. So, yep. um, what else? Any? I mean, KJ Osborne definitely. I think I think he probably mm-hmm. solidified his. He, he was very borderline going into the season because you're, you're like, what is he? Is he? A, he's not really a dynamic kick punt Did returner. Did you see the catch last night? Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. he has come. That was a pro catch, and and I saw him him make that catch in practice as well, Phil, a few times. Uh, he has he has turned himself from I think an athletic college receiver into a pro, yeah, uh, because that footwork is difficult as hell, and he does that. 
the problem is, I think their assumption was, oh, he's going to be he's going to be a good return man, and I just don't think that he is. I don't know why. It's a tough job, but to me, he has solidified his spot as the third receiver, and I don't even know if it's a slam dunk that that when D.D. Westbrook comes back, that he just gets that that job. K.J. Osborne actually, as far as as maturing, showed me a lot in the exhibition games and also practices. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? I mean, DJ Wanham had another sack last night. Mm-hmm. I think he's already been Griffin sort of good. crowned the start. Yeah, Griffin came in for four snaps and had a couple of pressures. And This third down roll could be huge. Um, I think Steven Weatherly, I can't decide if he's on the bubble or not, but um, he's not done a whole lot. Wanham, to me, is definitely now, and we talked about this on Tuesday, he is the starter. Yeah. Uh, Griffin is the third down guy. I don't think so so we're going to get this one too well griffin played great just make him the starter again i think they're going to be smart enough with griffin's age not to do that because you will wear him down but if you can rotate him and sheldon richardson onto the field on third down yeah that's going to be good i i will say this i have very limited concerns about the defensive line once opening day starts unless they get guys hurt because hunters looked great in practice I think Tomlinson and Pierce are going to be absolutely fine and and actually very good. And if you can rotate Griffin in now on third down, I think that's going to give you an advantage. My only concern would be if they struggle against the against the run from the right end position because uh, the Chiefs now and they are great and they are fast. The Chiefs actually, I thought early in the game last night, attacked the edges pretty well. Um, Hold on a second. It, yep, say that no again. What did you say? The Chiefs last night did a really good job early on with their run game. They attacked the edges, Phil. Football. <laughs> now, Daniil Hunter is going to be a beast, so I'm not concerned there. But I guess that's my one question. Wanham or Weatherly playing? And I think Weatherly, his resume is better against the run, but that would be my only like mild concern. But I think this defensive line is going to be really good. Can you? Uh, this is the this is the time in the show now where I will quiz you on who had the best performances according to Pro Football Focus. Let's start with the offense. Yeah, can you name? I saw these. Can, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, so it's not going to so be fair. Irv Smith was the highest graded player offensively, which is not shocking. He looked phenomenal last night. Mm-hmm. Um, Dakota Dozier was the second best player grade. Dakota Dozier may have saved a job on this team I, no. with his last two performances in the preseason. Uh, did you see the last night he was playing, if I'm not mistaken, he was playing left guard? Okay. So they they had him playing more right guard snaps, it looks okay. like. But I thought I thought at one point in time, I thought what I saw in the – I'm pretty sure it was well into the second half – I thought what I saw was Wyatt Davis at right guard, and I thought Dozier had switched to, to left guard, but that doesn't mean he wasn't at right guard before. Wyatt Davis, by the way, was the second lowest graded offensive player last night. They had him they had him getting banged up in pass protection pretty good. And yeah. then uh, Rose, the, the backup running back who's flashed in preseason, was the third best graded player mm-hmm. last night offensively. Uh, Kellen Mond came in sixth, so... Just as in terms of just pure PFF grade, this was his best performance of the preseason. And let's see, Garrett Bradbury had a decent night in pass protection, according to Pro Football Focus. All right, I want to get you now uh, defensive 
grades from last night. You, I'm assuming you probably saw these two. Yeah, yeah. I think I so Hercules, Mata'afa, uh, Perry Nickerson, and Kenny Willikies were the three highest graded players yeah, that doesn't last mean. night. Everson Griffin was top five. At the bottom, Sheldon Richardson, Blake Lynch, and Dalvin Tomlinson all getting. Of course, you know, Tomlinson and Richardson were playing against the best offense in the and NFL. Richardson, so. um, Richardson also was in the game for, I believe, a couple of times that the that the Chiefs uh, um, elected to run up the A-gap. Wow, look at you right now, just firing, Football. just rifling these off. And got pretty big games there. I don't think that's going to happen when the regular season begins. Now, it might happen to Sheldon, but I don't think it's going to. I'll, I'll be very surprised if there are, are many big games up the gut against the Tomlinson Pierce. Uh, and then I'll just just to keep diving into these mm-hmm. nerdy stats here. So the Vikings offensive line allowed 13 total pressures last night, which is quite a bit. It's quite a bit. But in terms of starters, yep. Ezra Cleveland allowed two. Yeah, um, that's one, actually that's... Amir Abdullah allowed one just uh, in his role as a running back there. Brian O'Neill allowed one. Wyatt Davis allowed one and took a penalty. And that's why his grade was garbage in pass so... protection. So on Abdullah, he didn't just allow one. He uh, basically fell down when the linebacker burst through and, and That's sacked right. Kirk. Yeah. I want to talk about that play for a second. Whose fault was that? Because there was no lineman to pick up the blitzer. Yeah. Abdullah needs to get that. He needs to get that hit. But if he does, he's still going down. Like, he's not going to stop him cold. Um, there are some backs who probably do. See that, but, that's but doesn't Kirk have to see that and adjust, like if you're at the line of scrimmage, your whole job is to survey. Like as you're calling the play, you're looking and you see who you see. You know potential guys that are going to come free, which is what he did. Um, and I got a tweet about it, and I sort of agree. Or I don't sort of. I do agree. Uh, Kirk has to be acutely aware of that, and that has to turn into a hot route. Like that's got to that ball. That ball has to go. Yeah, I think so. On that specific play, it's it's hard to know. I mean, it, I would assume that Kirk surveys the defense. Okay, they're they brought how many extra guys did they right? I'd have to watch the play again. Yeah, but, but I mean, he the linebacker just can't bang. But if it was, let's say, it's one extra guy, one extra blitzer on that play, and Kirk then would determine. And this this is the chess match at the line of scrimmage, and yeah. this is where like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were so brilliant. They can sort of see you have to determine who's bluffing, who's not. Because you're trying to set up protections, right? Yep. And oftentimes, it's going to be the running back that picks up the only free guy. Like if there's a linebacker coming, oftentimes the running back, the running back has to at least just not. You got to stand in his way and at least create some contact to give your quarterback an extra, an extra beat there. Yep. But I have contested, not just specific to Kirk, but all quarterbacks. We always blame offensive lines for impacting a quarterback's play negatively. Yep, but I believe great quarterbacks make offensive lines look better by the way that they adjust things pre-snap, the way that they see things pre-snap, and then by the way that they move a step or two in the pocket. And then, of course, if you're mobile and you can scoot out of the pocket, even better. Yep. I don't know where that play last night falls. It might have just been they had the right protection, and Amir Abdullah just just failed. <laughs> oh yeah, he play. just missed. Yeah. He so, just missed. But I mean that because that that's the play. So here. Here's the Vikings problem. That's the play that puts you then in second and 19, mm-hmm. which in which if you're the Chiefs, you're like, oh, second and 19, too bad. Okay, here's 20 yards. Uh, the Vikings say, let's run the ball. 
So but like that's, the whole, and that's ridiculous. Like know, what, but, what is but, your plan? But my point is like that play triggers more that play in the Vikings world triggers massive problems. And I get the Vikings are probably thinking two things. I think the first thing they're thinking, Mike Zimmer, is, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna get sacked again and go back and have a third and like he's thinking worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, that was terrible. Let's just be conservative and run the ball here and yeah. live to fight for another day. Uh, but then maybe they're also thinking, well, they're going to expect us to pass on second and long, and so let's catch them off guard and run the ball. But even if you gain six yards on a run, it's yeah. still good. Like your your chances of converting a first down on the next two plays are very small if you run the ball on second and long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but you could break a run. You could break a run, but not very often. You're more likely to hit an eight yard pass or a twelve yard pass and set up third and manageable. Mm-hmm. And that's that is something. Like watch the Vikings play calling this year. I'm telling you, statistically, second and short, second and very long, like second and 15 when they when you have a minus play, second and 13, they run the ball more than almost any other team in the NFL. Yep. And those second and shorts are even probably more impactful because your your entire playbook is wide open in those situations. Yep. Teams don't know what you're going to do. Those are great for a great play action team. That's a great chance to run a play action and hit a deep pass. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they go the conservative route and say, well, let's just get the first down here. We're so close to it and reset the chains. So don't be afraid to be aggressive in big these chunks, situations. We like to call it. They Pick up fold. big chunks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was, it, it, if you go back to the uh, Broncos preseason game too, it's interesting that Zimmer of all people alluded to the fact that he thought they should have thrown more. Like when Clint Kubiak's got Mike being like, oh, we should throw more. Think about that. You're being conservative. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, last thing. Uh, so I, I think the two spots that before Tuesday, the Vikings are going to make calls on for sure. As far as potential trades, in, instead of just going to the waiver wire after final cuts, uh, our quarterback, backup quarterback and linebacker. I got a name for you at linebacker just a oh, reckless wow. speculation name oh interesting but he's, a, but he's available because oh. this team has too much depth at the position. Reckless speculation. and his name is being tossed around on on multiple reports about guys that might get traded before uh final cuts are made because in some in the cases of some it makes no sense to just cut a, a guy when you can actually get compensation back what would you think about and this also is predicated i'll say this on i we don't know on anthony barr when he's coming back like, it's foolish to be like, oh, he'll be back in a week. We don't know that. Brian Erlacher. Um, no, not He's Brian. He's got hair now. No, no. I'm He's being a new serious. man. It's Dick Butkus. Um, <laughs> what would you think of inquiring about Dallas linebacker Jalen Smith? Okay. Okay. Uh, because I think that there's a chance that, one, I don't believe that they have a linebacker in the base defensive bar can't play who you really feel comfortable starting and playing. What's his, what's his, do they have to do contract maneuvering? Quite a bit. Do you know what he makes? What I would have to look at it. But he is he is a linebacker in a, in a situation in Dallas where, one, he's been a little bit disappointing, and two, they've added a lot of depth there. So I'm not saying he's the perfect player, but he's the type of guy I think you could get and you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to trade a ton. Well, I do – um, I'm just pulling up his contract. I am, yeah. I'm always a sucker for my Notre Dame guys. My grandfather played at Notre yeah. Dame. I've always been a huge Notre Dame uh, sap. So he, God, he has, he actually is. They must have signed him to a big contract extension. So he, in 2021, has a cap hit of 9.8 million dollars. Next year, 11.8 million dollars. So yeah, it's a little high. Y- yeah, you would be bringing him in, and he's. 
he's 26 years old. He just turned 26 years old a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. So you'd be bringing him in to essentially be a starter for you. Like it would I think you would only do it if you thought that Anthony Barr was out for like half the season or something. Right. But honestly, it you bring it up and there's probably people that are like that's what that's random. Um the Vikings do stuff like this. Like they traded for Enik Ngakwe right before the season. They like right. they trade for established players. They traded well, they traded for Sam Bradford <laughs> right before the season Correct. five years ago. So all right. That's interesting. But yeah, that that would that would be predicated on the fact that you do think that Barr is out. But I mean, we know nothing about this right now. Yeah. As far as, as Barr goes. We know he hasn't practiced since the fifth of August, and we think it's soft tissue, but you know. He played. He played in two games last year. That was it, and yeah. now he's out again. Jalen Smith, by the way, by the way, yes, was one of the best graded linebackers in the NFL in 2018. He was rock solid in 2019 and 17. Dipped off last year in a lot of different ways. I don't honestly. He looks like he's he's been healthy for the most part. So I don't know a ton about. Um, why he dropped off last year, but that entire defense dropped off. There might have been some scheme issues. I mean, didn't they fire Mike Nolan? Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, so it, yeah, it was schematically awful. that thing was a disaster for Dallas yes. last year. It might not have been all his fault at all. Jim so Smith. it's very interesting. All right, uh, that's former lead Vikings beat writer there, Judd Zolgad. Reckless putting speculation. The together, yeah. putting the pieces uh, together. A huge thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company too for helping not only power us on a daily basis and on Mackie and Judd, but also business owners around the Twin Cities. If you want to find out how Federated can help you. With risk management tools and uh, let's just call it offensive line protection, go to federatedinsurance.com. Check out the full list of industries and resources that they provide help with and for. And, um, yeah, remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. So that's a wrap on the preseason. We've got some fun stuff in store when the uh, regular season fires up. We're working on a couple things at Purple Daily for you guys, and uh, we will keep this thing rolling. A couple weeks of calm before the storm, mm-hmm. and then week one against the Bengals. Don't forget, too, once once the Vikings games actually hit in the regular season, right after those games are over, the, the uh, Purple Daily YouTube channel is the place to be for immediate fan reaction. We have a show called Vikings Ventline uh, under the Purple Daily umbrella where we bring you guys into the show with us and just get your raw emotions and takes, win or lose. Just all so, drink surly. That's all we do. 100%. So, and it is the it is absolutely the best and most fun Vikings postgame show you're going to find. So uh, be sure to earmark, bookmark, and check us out. That's a wrap. Purple Daily presented by Surly Brewing Company. Um, all right, I guess we'll, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace out.